Yeah, we marked out for our own stuff here. <laughs> oh right, because you weren't you weren't here for all the prep here. So yeah, came in hot for this one. This is all right. This is official. Introduce our introduce our guest host. Yes, so she's joining us from her own. So please like, subscribe, and share on her channel as well. We've been fans of hers for a long time. We've been talking about wanting to do some kind of collaboration, and then the stars in line. And then luckily in February, the stars have aligned. And I was like, wow, this is a perfect topic. So I'm kind of glad this is a better topic for her than E.T. as a horror sequel, which we teased too, which we may still do. I still maintain E.T. is actually a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to do that. So please welcome to your YouTube screen, Rainbow Fright. Yeah. What's Thank up? Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm so psyched to see this, this screen alone, like, because we watch your stuff. And to see that screen, and I was like, wow, that's actually merged with our screen. This is official. <laughs> yeah, this is imagine. A, yes, this is a Fright <laughs> Show Live, so it is perfect. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on and doing this. <laughs> so this yes, this would be really fun. <laughs> so again, you've been doing, like, when did you start tubing? <laughs> for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah, about two years ago, last January 7th was my two-year anniversary. So for about that long, um, but yeah, I had also been doing video stuff like years prior to that. So I had some experience creating and stuff. So. Nice. Yeah, you do a really good job creating, creating your vibe for sure. And then we find out like, again, this is how the way the matrix works and there are no coincidences. We find out like a week before that we're going to do this collab that <laughs> She actually has a connection to the Dose Incredibles network via AJ. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. You know no AJR. Idea. He yeah. actually does our pre-stream music. Um, shout out to AJR. Yeah. He's recovering right now from some surgery, actually. Yes, feel better, man. AJ, all. Yeah, okay. get better, yeah, man. Better. But yeah, y'all had a connection. I don't want to... I think I know where y'all used to work. I, I, I don't, I don't want to cut a promo on them or whatever, but I know <laughs> it was that place with the... With yes, the, we did work together. That's for certain. That was that, many happy hours together. <laughs> that was that office with the secret data room, right? That nobody ever went into. Yeah. <laughs> I heard stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you know. You know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So let's let's start digging in and and Rainbow, feel free. We're gonna we're kind of gonna kind of let you run this spot. So when what we were thinking here, it's the month of love. February fourteenth was yesterday, but we really let's dig in and give our three top films that we need to watch in february usually related to love and I, you know the history this goes all the way back to frankenstein right the bride of frankenstein we're talking like almost 100 years ago i didn't realize how uh entanglements that were involved between love and horror but i guess it does drive you to do crazy things so i was like yeah this would be a great topic for us to cover Agreed. Yeah. So we're going to, you know, since you're, even though this, this is your show now, this is Fright Show Live, not House Show Live. So we're going to allow you to go first and you're going to give us your first selection of that movie that is your go-to for love and horror. All right. Well, the first movie I will talk about is Spring. I've been seeing this Italian girl. She's really pretty. So... I only get to see you at night. Our nights together must remain a secret. She acts kind of weird sometimes, and I found something that gives me some doubts. 
Are you really from around here? I'm half undiscovered science, bunch of confusing biochemistry, and some crazy hormones. You probably lie a lot. I've actually never lied to you. Even I'm a mystery to myself. medical condition that comes and goes and it's a very long story i gotta make sure you're the kind of crazy i can deal with italian women the best i think you could be the love of my life i don't think you're ready for where this is going it's a newer movie from 2014 um i've watched it a few times now and it definitely grew on me with more watches and it's um just a really cool uh, creature feature mixed with like a vacation movie. And it's it's kind of like your comedy romance, but horror style. And you get some really cool looking effects with it. Um, the scenery is beautiful. The locations, you know, uh, in Italy are beautiful. And it's this story of, just trauma throughout you know this theme of trauma and rebirth also and um it's it's a fun little yeah okay we are talking about spoilers here so we can definitely do that yeah um, we're, we're good so, with yeah. the spoilers here <laughs> they've seen it was yeah. like eight years ago they've seen it <laughs> 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 but you never know when people be like oh that's interesting i want to i want to be surprised by it but exactly. yeah at this point you definitely have had your time but yeah it's kind of seeing how the movie starts with you know his mother's death and that kind of sends him off into this discovery of himself because his whole family is now dead which which was just his parents and so he goes and kind of just tries to discover himself and falls in love with this woman really quickly Um, but she has this um, ancient uh, well yeah she is ancient but she describes it as something that science hasn't yet really discovered so it doesn't necessarily make it magic or supernatural it's just not yet understood by scientists and so um yeah she has this ability ability to basically be impregnated by her lover and uh kind of just have a rebirth and just live continuously that way and so she's currently in this movie 2000 years old um and one of the ways to kind of break this curse is if she falls in love with the man and this whole 2000 years of her existence She's never fallen in love. And, you know, she tells him at the like last minute before she's due to have her rebirth and become a completely different person based, you know, with her, with his C. So she's going to become half of him essentially the next day. Um, the One of the ways to break the curse is to be in love, like I mentioned, and telling him that, you know, she's not in love. He's kind of just still hopeful and waits till the sunrise to see if, you know, she will, in fact, become this other being. But when the sun does rise, you know, lo and behold, she's still the same form. And meaning, you know, she's fallen in love with him and she just didn't admit it to herself or to him. And it's just a nice little like Beauty and the Beast type love story because he sees her when she's, you know, uh, octopusy looking and just grotesque. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he goes in and he saves her and, you know, uh, he stuck around even after that and still loved her. And so it was just a sweet moment at the very end. And I love, I love that. I love love. It's one of my favorite things. I love, you know, to watch all kinds of 
love shows like reality and unreality and uh horror is one of my other loves and so when they come together yeah i just really love it is this a foreign film no but it is um shot overseas mostly um and i believe it has like a bunch of filmmakers that it's, i think it's like an international collaboration possibly so yeah yeah i pulled out some some deets on this which uh, because i thought it was could read them out because honestly like when i was when i was going through these when i was setting up for the show this is the only one i have absolutely never heard of and here's the crazy thing mm. there is an atx connection to austin texas this was actually released through draft house films oh really and that's why i was nice. surprised so, so you can get it at the vending machine yes, at the highball right that's right <laughs> So it's a 2014 American romantic body horror film, which I thought was interesting that they called it body horror. But now once you said octopusy, it's like, okay, I get it. So the film follows Evan, a young man who travels to Italy to pursue a woman named Louise, who unbeknownst to Evan, harbors a dangerous <laughs> secret. Springs premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. That's where it got its raves in 2014 before receiving a limited theatrical release through Draft House Films on March 20th, 2015, receiving positive reviews from critics and grossing 50K. So directed by Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead. And and yeah, like you said, Raymond, it looks like there's a collab here because it's... Oh, wait a minute. I've heard of those directors. Yeah. They've done a few. They did that movie. Yeah, they yeah. The one with Christopher Mackey, where he smokes DMT and time travels. What? Have you seen that one? No, but I need to see it immediately. <laughs> I, I got to think of the title. I'm not sure what it is. But yeah, those guys have been doing a lot of work lately. I didn't realize that was them. Okay, but it's a great pick too because I, I again, this is the fun part of doing this show too. Like I was telling you yesterday, now you pitched a movie. It's like okay, I got to go out of my way to see this. If I didn't see it. But this sounds great because you had me at reverse Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> like that's a perfect, that's yeah. exactly how you need to do it, right? I love the idea that you have that reverse Beauty and the Beast because I was a mark for Shape of Water too. And I love the, I love the feel of like with the love mixed into a monster feeling because like I was saying earlier, going all the way back to Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, this is always, they've always found a way to intertangle itself. So I love, that was a great pitch, great pick. Thank you. Solid. Thank yes. you very much. Solid, solid. Look forward to hearing y'all's thoughts on it. Oh, there's your, there's your... <laughs> it's not coming through on oh, your feed. Oh, she's not going to hear it. I just, played the, I just played your little logo thing yeah, at the end of Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to love that. <laughs> All right, Mario, you want to go or you want me to no, go? No, you go next. You want me to go? Yeah. All right. I'm going to start off with something also current. Uh, I'm going with Happy Death Day. Unlimited amount of lives. Unlimited opportunities to solve your own murder. So I'm supposed to keep dying. Until I figure out who my killer is. You want to live to see tomorrow, right? Which was a movie. Again, this is when I wasn't as much of a mark for Blumhouse as I am now. Like, this is when they were still feeling kind of new to me. This was also, this was 2017, so it was kind of recent. I thought originally it was released on Valentine's Day, but it wasn't. It was Friday the 13th in October. But... The association with love here is it starts off like a very typical college one night stand waking up in the dorm room. I don't know who this person is next to me. I'm going to get out of there. And then it just literally takes you on the best ride. And these time loop movies are always great. The one on Hulu with Andy Samberg, right? We have Groundhog Day. There's a lot of good time. But this one to me was used it in a very clever way. Because, you know, she kept coming back and you saw her, she, 
all the injuries, the injuries were staying with you. And it was like she was having to discover not only her killer, but she was having to discover herself along the way. And in the end, the person, the random one night stand that she woke up with becomes her kind of like love partner in crime. And she kind of couldn't do it. So together they kind of got through it. And again, it just, it felt very, this felt like this could have been a movie that was released in the 80s and would have fit in just fine. I, I love the mask. They, uh, very good use of, of Go Shorty, It's Your Birthday. I remember that trailer just, <laughs> you know, just playing that song over and over again. So I don't know. I just, again, this was a simple movie. The second one kind of really started getting into the sci-fi of like rabbit holes. And I, f- I would almost label that one as science fiction. But this one had the true horror, even though they have it labeled as a black comedy horror element. You got the killer with the very memorable mask, which ironically, it kind of looks like it's a baby, but it looks like a cherub, which is why maybe I always associate it with love too. So I don't know if you guys were marked for this movie, but I I really did enjoy this movie. Yeah, I thought it was a solid movie. Like every time I see a movie, and you, you, you know this, Jeff, I always like, I think about the technical aspects of how they made it. So when I was watching this the whole time, I was thinking, I was like, what a really, what a way to pitch a movie and you can like save money. Here's a cheap pitch. We use all the same sets and costumes over and over and over. <laughs> I just replicate, you know, the scene over and over in this time loop scenario. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they do the movie for like a fourth of the budget. I didn't even think about that. And I, that's what's great about working with you as a director and a producer. You're like, you also see the practicality of it of like, oh yeah, you can just, just use the same set over and over again. The pitch for this one, for anybody who has not seen it, is it's Groundhog Day meets Scream, which I thought was really, really well. The only thing that was different, Scream, it felt like all those actors really broke out and they really associated themselves with the genre or the film. But this one, they were the, the casting was great, but I feel like nobody jumped into do other things unless I'm wrong. Are you, do you guys know that if anybody else in this film, if they gone on to do other films besides this? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Right. I'm sure you can IMDB it or we could find out, but the uh, lead, the lead. I feel like she was in something, but I don't know. Well, I have no idea. Jessica Roth. She was great casting, but again, that's what makes it feel like eighties horror, right? You didn't, it was hard. There was less Jamie Lee Curtis's out there back then, right? They a lot of them became interchangeable. You get somebody that's just like has a very cool look, but then you may never see them again. Uh, yeah. So after Happy Death Day to you, she did Valley Girl, Body Brokers, Boy Kills World. So again, I are haven't... those just like teeny teeny bop? Yeah, that's what it seems like to me. <laughs> Right, like stuff that I'm not going to be watching, probably. Yeah, exactly. But she was that's, great. That's I liked her. She red was red box awesome. stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although we had our uh, <laughs> our short that did really well was like accidentally called up Mario called out Mario for being a mark for Gossip Girl. Uh, she was in Gossip Girl as young woman. <laughs> I thought I recognized her. <laughs> not girl, young woman. young woman. <laughs> That'll get you a sad card. Yes, it will cool but yeah that's my pick happy death day i even i like i said i enjoyed happy death day to you but that got more into the sci-fi so it was a different type of enjoyment all right mario you're yeah, up it seems like it's supposed to oh sorry no no you're going to go about for it. happy about happy death day like 
those kind of movies like it seems like it's supposed to irritate me because it's so repetitive but it's repetitive enough in a way where it's like little things are different you know throughout and it, it is kind of also like a mystery so it's fun to just kind of piece things together and by human nature though we we do kind of like repetition because we know what to expect and we're looking for those things so it makes it fun like a puzzle again like a mystery so again those kinds of movies and i i think (laughs) age-wise correct me if i'm wrong i think if you like horror movie deep down inside you're also a mark for scooby-doo i think (laughs) what why is that (laughs) scooby-doo is all about mystery machines I mean, they're everything, right? Look, it's got pizza. Clearly, Shaggy's smoking it up, right? You got everything you need. You got a van. You got a dog that you're talking to. And they're figuring out. And they got people running around cosplaying as like, yeah, that's horror movies, man. Yeah. It was always amazing when Shaggy could shuffle the sandwich like a deck of cards. (laughs) That's skills. That's skills. All right, look, I'll go. All right, go for it. So I t- like I was uh, trying to think of some ones that I thought were really great love and horror, and I think sometimes uh, I think I think uh, we sometimes forget that this one classic film is actually a horror movie. Uh, we always remember it for its the romantic aspects, and I think that's what everybody everybody uh, everybody sort of like calls out when you say the title. But really, the movie that I think is one of the ultimate love and horror movies is. Ghost. The problem with you is you still think you're real. It's all up here now. You want to move something, you got to move it with your mind. (laughs) Molly, why can't you hear me? Who is that? You can hear me? Can you hear me? Sam Wheat. Say my name. Say it. Leave me alone. Who is it? Oh! Oh my gosh, I was going to say that. I was going to guess it. (laughs) Let me say it. Whoopi Goldberg. And Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore classic film, Ghost. Everybody remembers the ceramic scene. Oh, yeah. It got lampooned in, you know, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> that's what everyone thinks about. But this is literally about a ghost that's haunting his ex-girlfriend or ex-wife, <laughs> right? Uh, yes, yep. Uh, there's a murder scenario. There's demons from hell that drag you to hell. <laughs> um, that's right. They did get dragged to hell. They get, they, when those dudes get dragged to hell, that's scary. That is like very frighteners feeling too. Right. Now that you say that, it really did have that vibe. Um, it's a horror movie. The it's guy, it's dude, a the movie. guy on the train from uh, that guy's Fast scary. Times, Vincent Chavelli. Vincent Chavelli, yeah, he was a very big in the eighties character actors. He was terrifying as the guy that haunted the train. Yeah, your friend. That was a horror movie. <laughs> There's your spot. Ghost is a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> Did you already say Whoopi got possessed too, of course? Whoopi, there's demon possession, <laughs> ghost possession. Happening yep. in this movie, that's right. There's Ouija boards. Look, <laughs> when Whoopi got possessed, and I legit, as a kid, was like, Whoopi Goldberg is going to kiss Demi Moore on screen. Like, they're not, because they were getting like, so as a kid, you're like, whoa, this is really happening. <laughs> and then they did the quick swerve at the jump. But yeah, she was great in that too. Like, I legit sometimes, if I have to slam the door, before I slam the door, I'll say, Sam Wheat! Boom! Like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, I'm sorry, I just got movie quotes stuck in my head. (laughs) Those demons were legit scary, J.D., that's right. Yes, they were scary. That's the scariest part of the movie. How did that movie not get requeled or rebooted or revisited? I mean, it holds up. Maybe, that's... 
We're putting it out there in the universe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I mean, Demi's still around. Sway- Swayze is an actual ghost. At the yeah, moment, he's so. an actual ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a way to go. <laughs> Sorry. Shout out. Hey, I, I love Patrick Swayze. <laughs> no, yeah, no. but He would have appreciated that joke. He would have. because yeah, they just he's fine. They just did it uh, in Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. Harold, Harold Ramis is gone, and they, had, they cameoed his ghost. Yeah. And he's a ghost. So I think... Look, if you're an actor or if you're a performer, are you going to have heat? Like, no, once I'm gone, forget me. Don't ever use it. Of course, you're like, yeah. James Earl Jones, like, you want my voice? You can have my voice, did little mouse. That's totally fine. James Earl Jones terrible. sold his voice to Disney and CNN. <laughs> he doesn't even have to show up. They just, like, AI it. Yeah, talk about being timeless, too. Well, But anyway, go watch Ghost if you want a romantic horror movie that is a romantic horror movie let me give the like the official stats here it is not it was 1990 classic classic year but it really is amazing that it doesn't feel like it's been that long but apparently it's been that long and jerry zucker was the director of that uh and of course yeah it it made jerry zucker of the naked gun of the right (laughs) from the guys who brought you the (laughs) naked gun comes ghost (laughs) and look that poster of her like they're both clearly naked and he's like kissing on her neck and she's like her head is like in the throes of love that 1990 was like okay things are about to change here. in 19 <laughs> like late 1990 sales of uh ceramic pottery equipment like just skyrocketed that year yes, after, after, <laughs> people were people were everyone was doing it was like gonna spice up your life by making pottery scouting out the just teachers. waiting for some <laughs> random man to come up from behind them and they live alone and they're like why is nobody behind me sure wish there was a ghost here that would <laughs> possibly just keep looking oh, behind you while you're doing it <laughs> what are you looking for nothing just waiting <laughs> awesome good pick i like it that was like definitely i did not expect that pick awesome all right rainbow you're up what do we got next here <clears throat> all right so my next pick is the fly remake from 1986 the fly got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when i was alone don't go back to it could be contagious Oh, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. What? Version. Let's go. <laughs> yes. yes. Brundle fly. <laughs> Brundle fly. Yes. yes. Love it. <laughs> it's another, you know, sort of beauty in the beast type situation, yeah. but it's different because she knew him before, you know, he was a beast, but still stuck around and wanted to help. Um, but it's just you know, you're watching this love story just blossom and you can tell with them when they meet that it's, you know, a one of a kind love. And I'm sure, you know, lots of people watching and listening, whatever, you know, you understand like there's sometimes just that one love or you feel that anyway, and you've not felt that feeling before. And you can see that between the two of them. And I think it helped also that they were romantically involved in real life as well, Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum. Um, so there was that real chemistry there and it just grew so quickly and just as quickly, you know, he just had all what he worked for just kind of go down the drain because of a simple haphazard mistake that he typically wouldn't have done, you know, but he just got so excited and it's just so tragic. It's just a tragic, tragic love story, um, that happens to be body gore and you see this awesome transformation. It's one of 
the best transformations in all of film, I believe, and it gets me single time. It's like it is super disturbing, and like Cronenberg is the body horror guy. That's the yeah. guy Rick and Rick and Morty coined a whole term. It's like this is a Cronenberg, but like <laughs> it's like, but like the Fly is like his most commercial movie, I think, and it's a little toned down almost. I feel like it's even it's it's toned. The weirdness is toned down for Cronenberg. You know, there's no exploding heads or like hands coming out of people's bodies or whatever, like Videodrome. But even at that, at that, it's still, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's fucked up. Like the algorithm is going to punish me for that, but that's the only way <laughs> that I can get it across. When there's two instances in that movie that dis- still disturb me to this day, watching it on VHS. Oh, I know. As one a kid, of them. as a kid with my grandparents. Yep. Um, you probably know both of them. Let's okay. See if it's what you get. When he throws up on the donut. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, ah. Which and it just comes out of nowhere. It's already gross, and then he just does that. When he throws up, that legit, everybody in, I cleared the room. <laughs> back, back, like, everybody, because back in the day when the fly was out on tape, you know, everybody, you rented the fly, everybody get in the room to watch it. You can't watch it on your phone. Yeah. Right. But, like, uh, yeah, that cleared the room. They're like, nope, this is too gross. <laughs> yeah, I remember being floored, like, yeah. absolutely floored. And the, and the second moment, you know. Yeah. You know, just say it. Over the top, arm wrestling. Oh, that's another one. Oh, not the arm wrestling? No, I'm talking about the maggot birth. Oh, yeah, the maggot birth was oh, gnarly. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, by then yeah. we were already on, like at the, almost close to the bottom of the water slide. Yeah. <laughs> but that was still at the beginning. <laughs> that When he did the over the top and you, that arm broke, you never were able. And by then, like he already started getting the weird acne and the, he already had a very grimy look. But that arm snapping there's something about seeing the bones it looked way too realistic and it definitely got you like ooh, like everybody everybody winced in the theater yeah i did one thing about the uh donut vomit is gina davis didn't know that he was going to even do that so when it happens she's you know in real life surprised to see that and is actually disgusted by it (laughs) Yeah. yeah Hats off to Gina Davis. Like her performance (laughs) in this, like you said, was really good. Like it went like all like she went on a journey with somebody that when you love somebody and you're going to go as far as you can. And then sometimes they're going to go so far that, you know, you can't join them. And that's that like the scene when she has to do the shotgun at the end. And when she was like bawling, like legit bawling that she knew she had to do, but she had no choice. Like, yeah, she was great in this film. And I don't think she gets enough credit. I do not think she gets enough credit. There's probably a lot of people that know the quote, be afraid, be very afraid, not knowing that she gave birth to that quote. So that is a Gina Davis. And that, to me, is like, that's a a remake done perfectly. Because going, I like the original Fly. I remember when the original Fly used to be on Saturday afternoon TV. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's basically the same storyline, but it just they just swap heads. Him and the fly just swap heads, <laughs> and that's all that goes down, you know. But like Cronenberg <laughs> took that concept and I, I just I don't know, just ran with it uh, and turned it into something. I just I'm, there's more disturb when he vomits on the guy's hand. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Love it. forgot about. Oh my god! All right. Yeah. There's there's a lot of there's a lot. Go- it's perfect. It's a lot going on in the movie though. I remember seeing this with my mom. She's like, "This is nothing like the original Fly." <laughs> this is nothing like the original Fly. Yeah. And of uh, course, Stathis, after getting vomited on his hand and his 
foot in the fly too that I finally actually just saw recently. I hadn't seen it before up until a couple months ago and he's still an asshole. He's the same character. He didn't learn. He didn't grow. And he's still an antagonistic type in part two. Um, and it's just funny seeing him with his little glove, but it would be more of a, it wouldn't be like how they had it. They should have done better to make it look like he had the injury, you know, but it just looked like he was wearing a glove. <laughs> but That's on fly two. I, I enjoyed him. the fly two. Was that I, Eric Stoltz? I like it. It's Eric Stoltz's Eric Stoltz, Brendel right? fly. Yeah. I liked it. I like the whole the whole dog yeah, storyline. Um, it's like one if you go back on you, oh, you, yeah. YouTube some of the original ads for Fly Two, they're pretty good. They really like they they spun it in a more sort of like uh, I don't know uh, hype up the audience kind like of Marley direction. and Me type way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that dog that that was oh man, and then the, the way it. The, Spoilers for the fly too. If you haven't seen it since '86 or whatever, it's like <laughs> the guy ends up in the same spot as the dog. It's pretty. Actually, fly two is perfect. Get the box yeah, set. I love that. <laughs> yeah. the box get, set. get the box set. <laughs> I like how you went went on a journey there. It's like, yeah, I like. Okay, yeah, no, go buy it immediately. <laughs> we need those affiliate links at the Eric bottom. Stoltz and Daphne Zuniga. I mean, how '80s? Can oh, you get? Daphne Zuniga. Yeah. From uh, Spaceballs, right? From Spaceballs and <laughs> lots of other films. And I think uh, Melrose Place. Melrose Place, but we wouldn't know that. <laughs> awesome. Good good pick, man. I, you guys are raising the bar. I'm really nervous about my picks now. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go right around the same time period. It's going to be, we're going to be, I noticed we're like 86 through 90. I'm going to go with... One-way love, dysfunctional love, and love that is not necessarily returned with misery. Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Annie, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Annie, for God's sake. Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. God, I love you. Kathy Bates Ooh. in Misery. Okay. I, this isn't technically considered. The only one that considers this a love story is Kathy Bates. The Kathy Bates <laughs> character is the only one this that this is a legit love story for. One hundred percent. This movie. What does she love though? She loves him, or yeah, because I don't even think it becomes control. Right? Control at this point, like maybe along the way, she loves, and we find that about. In love a lot, right? Like you love the thought of something rather than the actual something. And I think that's when it kind of clicked for her. But again, you have, it was a William Goldman screenplay directed by Rob Reiner based on a Stephen King story. I mean, and you got Jimmy Kahn in there. I mean, come on, that's got everything. And this is where the world was introduced to Miss Rudy Patootie. Kathy, Kathy Bates. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what's Rudy Patootie? I don't know. That's one of her nicknames, like you, Rudy Patootie. Like, oh she right, never, she, she refused to curse. Yeah, she wouldn't. Did curse. you read the book? No, I did not read the book. I never read the book, no. um, but uh, I, I always wonder if that was in the book, the refusal to curse. I don't know. Because that's terrifying. Ty West should steal that. <laughs> 
it does give you it's a little bit more settling because that means you if you have that much control and yet you're still willing to do what you do to get what you want that's terrifying and this had a scene very much so like the arm wrestling scene right it's right there in the picture that ankle scene with the hammer was another thing that made everybody turn wince run just it really got to people that's a trailer moment. Yeah, that was a trailer moment. I'm just going to book it real quick. I'm going to book a, a sequel real quick, a, a reboot. Of Misery? M- Misery? Misery Reboot with Mia Goth, directed by Ty West. What do you think? Oh, I love that. Can you call A24? Wow, yeah, she would actually be really, she would be really good for it. Just an idea. <laughs> Get me you in want a, young, a young Annie? Yes. Yeah, why not? You want a young Annie this time around? Young Annie. I just I kind of liked her being older and having just killed her husband and going through all that trauma because that was kind of her escape. You know, those books, that's what she was loving from afar was the stories. Yeah, she didn't love him. She thought she loved him because he wrote the stories. But like most of our crushes, we might like the way that they look or dress or what we see from afar or what they do as, you know, as an example of writing. Um, but once we get to know them, we're like, oh. Uh, you know, you're not so hot or uh, I'll just keep liking this aspect of you and I'll keep that over there and, you know, we'll just have this instead. Um, So, yeah, those books were her other world, her other life, and she needed out of her current life because her husband was just so abusive. He was a dick. And um, she thought maybe she, for some reason, like you think you might meet your favorite rapper or movie star and you will get married and have all these babies and this was her chance to do that, you know, and lo and behold, she just snapped, you know, she was probably always crazy because she killed her husband, not to say that every person who kills somebody is crazy, but (laughs) she probably snapped a long time ago, but maybe had a second or even third break and, you know, snapped with him and just kind of was at least maybe somewhat disassociative. Like, I hope, you know, she at least had... Anyways, just not to go into no, mental no, health and stuff, but um, yeah, it was just super sad. <laughs> People tune in for and the So I think her advice. being older works, but yeah, being younger... Being uh, being young, too, I think would work because, you know, young people just don't have a care in the world and they're invincible. They've probably been doing things here and there been getting away with things. And so that would also be a fun story. If, you know, somebody who feels like they have nothing to lose, you know, because those people are definitely very dangerous. <laughs> I think I think what's yeah. pulling me in that direct in, direction is I'm looking at this image of Kathy Bates with the mallet here. And, I'm, and yeah. I'm, I'm picturing Mia Goth by way of Pearl. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you you just put her face right there because yeah. you've seen that recently. That same position, that same <laughs> yeah. pose. <laughs> Maybe that's what's pu- pulling me in that direction. But I don't yeah. know. Also, I'm a big mark. And we love her. She's great. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. fantastic. So I mean, yeah. I mean, I I you know we can't just... wait for Maxine. Oh, Maxine, man, I cannot be... wait for that. Yeah, that's day one. And that's just one. I, I just I really dig what Ty West yeah. did with that whole trilogy, and just pitching it as a as a trilogy right off the bat. And he knew <clears throat> he knew already that. The the cycle yeah. is always uh, movie, then prequel, and then sequel to the prequel. <laughs> and then you got to re- go back and watch it, right? Yeah. And then, then you get to pick the order. Like you said, you recommended going back and watching X after just watching Pearl to get the full effect, even though you already saw X. But I said watch Pearl, then X, then watch Pearl again. Yeah. As the sequence of <laughs> there events. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm ex- isn't, is Maxine, is that April? 
Is it coming up soon? I don't know. Very soon. Very yeah, I'm, soon. I'm very excited about that. I don't that. have my new release calendar up, but yeah, I know it's very soon. Oh, yeah. Do you, you have a... Do you have one that you post on your page, like a new release? Oh, I don't you actually. Should. I should, huh? Yeah. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, that would be. T- I'd, I'd I'd be all about rainbow recommendations. Go check oh, that okay. out. Yeah, and then put put what you're <laughs> what you're looking forward to, because again, that's how we find out a lot of these pitches that I would never. Okay. There's so many movies. You know, I was talking to Mario about this once before. You know, we used to be able to watch every single movie. You know, you we listened to the video archives and like you watched every tape. Like you had everything. Now I feel like it's impossible to keep up with impossible. it. Impossible. It's so no hard. Way. And we get the benefit, like you were talking about spring earlier, like you get to rewatch it again and again. We that's all we used to do. That's that was the internet before. You just rewatch movies over and over again. Right. You had like a certain amount of tapes and you had some right. movies that were recorded on super long speed. You have three movies in a row. You had those tapes. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was your that was your streaming. <laughs> and so with that like you have to kind of pick and choose what movie you're, you are going to rewatch. you're like is this movie worth a second third and fourth watch or should i watch this other movie first that i've been wanting to watch and so it's crazy when you do find yourself watching a movie three and four times before watching your other films that you have on your list for a while and you're just like wow i really love this film i must talk about it you know <laughs> i've watched it this many times you know i have to talk about it yeah that's so, yeah. that's our modern day movie sophie's choice of just like, do we watch a movie we haven't we've been meaning to watch and we haven't seen yet, yeah. or do we watch something like I'm gonna do a quick pitch? There's a little bit of swerve. Here it is, right here. This was almost gonna be on our list, but we couldn't do it. Put talk, it on the close-up cam. Talk about a love story. Is it? You see it there? There it is. Bones, Bones and, and all. all. Yeah. I've been dying to see that, and it's just talk about love and horror. This is like has to be, and this is a. Uh, Shout out to Alamo Draft House for these uh, Polaroids here. But again, this was a like you watch a movie you haven't seen before. You go back and watch the tried and true. And that is the, the choice. And I guess it just depends on the day. <laughs> I've been trying to watch Bones and All for, for days now. Yeah, I'm dying to see it. I'm, I'm still going to watch it. I, nice. Did you see it? Do it. I did see it at oh. the theater. Oh, yeah. at the theaters. What'd you think? Yeah. It was a good movie. It was it was fun. You know, I didn't absolutely love, love it because I felt like there was some things being held back. Um, but other folks wouldn't have any issue with that because, you know, so many people are loving it. But for me, it was called. Well, I don't want to give it away because you guys are still yeah, going to okay. watch it. Yeah, but, um, you know, it was called Bones and All. And it just didn't kind of like live up to that. Like they talk about it with words, but you don't see bones and all. Uh, And it is more focused on love. And that's fine. Again, I love horror and I love love. But um, her like there, it just kind of went back and forth in a weird way. And there was not enough fight and there was not enough um, reasoning, I guess. But they still had good chemistry. They had, you know, a reasonably good amount of chemistry with each other. I believed it. um, But it was just me saying well that was too easy and sometimes why um fair. a little too much That's but fair. you know it was it was, it was, a, it was a fun cannibalistic <clears throat> love story so <laughs> i want to see more i'm down to see part two i would give it like a three three and a half i forgot exactly what i gave it 
because um, it is a good movie, but I just feel like it didn't uh, push it far enough, especially with, I believe it's Guadagnino, right? Who did that? Yeah. Yep. Who did uh, Suspiria. Um, which which, which was... he blew the doors off Suspiria. I yeah. love I love the original Suspiria. And I, I was going to bring yeah. this up, actually, because I saw this on your page. So you went to the Suspiria uh, concert, didn't you? Yeah. We caught it here in awesome. a, we caught it here in Austin as well. We went and saw it at the Paramount. Um cool. What a great like the original Suspiria is great. It's its own kind of thing. But the new one just just I don't know. It, it, it it's <laughs> it's like the antithesis of a remake where it has absolutely yeah. it does not even try to do the original at all. But still shows it so much respect at the same time. Right. Like both of those things, 100%. You know? And the, I love that. The end, is, did you see it, Jeff? No, no, but go for it. Go for it. <laughs> the end is so <laughs> insane. After, it. The movie itself is is pretty insane. and it, But it's really sort of like stylized and, and slow paced and it builds. And the end, it goes so hardcore. I mean, remember we talked about. People uh. call they're gonna call, people watching the Evil Dead trailer will need an ambulance. Oh yes, it's that kind <laughs> of a thing. Like it is just, and it goes on for. It's got to be. It's long. The end. The ending. Yes, scene is long. it just keeps going. And it just goes going, on and, and on. And I don't know how to describe it to you. <laughs> Naked old people and hearts oh, being ripped out. <laughs> very close to hell. Very yeah. very close. Like it's almost sweet in a way when she's walking up to them and. She's asking them what they want, and it's almost like, oh, that's so lovely. At the same time, this horrific thing is going down. It's just crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) That's cool. I definitely again. There it is. There's another one that's like on the list of like I need to see it, and it's just slipped through the cracks. You don't think I'm a bad person. So this one, um, this one, I feel kind of relates to Bones Null a little bit that we're taking. This, I feel like this is a similar vibe, <laughs> but the movie that I that I think um, is my well, it is my second choice for love and horror is uh, Near Dark. Caleb Colton no longer belongs to our world. We'll give him a week, see if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. What? Near, Near dark. dark. No, I love Near Dark, but I again, you're just caught me off guard <laughs> <laughs> near dark is um what is it Catherine bigelow Catherine bigelow, Catherine bigelow who is the one like this is like Catherine bigelow i mean she's got a good resume she did what is it uh she did that iraq movie oh yeah and then she did i'm not sure what else she did she do point break she may have done yeah point break yep. anyway we've uh near dark is like um i'm not it, i feel like the whole thing is about is a metaphor for like addiction. You know, you've got this band of traveling vampires who are addicted to human blood, obviously, as the vampires are. And uh, they've got the young lady. I forgot the character's name. But anyway, she pulls in this young gentleman into her crew, gets him involved in the whole vampire um, subculture. <laughs> right. And is, uh, you know, pulling him in They're, They've got a romance going. You've got a romance between your two uh, older vampires, which is Lance Hendrickson. Yes. And um, <laughs> what is for the 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 one from she's from I forgot her. I'm, I'm blanking on her name. She's in Aliens. The one with the giant gun. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, Sigourney. Not Sigourney. <laughs> 
you know who I'm talking about, Jeff. <laughs> yes. She's at she was just at Cult Classics Convention. Yes, that's right. They- anyway, you've got them. They're sort of like the paternal figures in the vampire group. They're mom and dad. You've got uh the young teens over here who were in love. Then you've got they've got the younger son who is like trapped in the vampire's body, and he's desperate to just find a, a somebody to be his pal. Uh, and he kind of falls for a, 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 a little girl at the vending machine. I don't know. I think this movie has a lot of emotion. You've got the dad who ends up saving his son <laughs> through a blood transfusion, literally bleeding for someone to save their life. I think there's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah, no, there there is. It's just when, when you said that, for me, like Near Dark always kind of lived in that three from hell kind of world because I grew up, you know, going to the video store, that box with Bill Paxson's face half burned was the box that always kind of stuck <laughs> in yeah. my brain, right? So I never really looked at the the all the emotional around it. But again, we're talking about love and horror being inter, intertangled, entanglements. Dracula, mm-hmm. obviously, he's always had that, right? He always used the form of seduction. Vampires became real, you know, were sexy for a long time, right? Until Are you saying they're not sexy anymore? Well, I don't think I think uh, I think from Dust Till Dawn was trying to get away from that, <laughs> you know. That, you know, even though his name was Sex Machine, I don't think anyone wanted to have sex with him. <laughs> but you know, we had we we came a long way from the seduction to the sparkling vampires to almost like the grotesque feel of like yeah, they're just kind of like human mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know, Rainbow. Did you see Near Dark? I actually haven't seen. You this have one. near dark. I, it's highly recommended. I think you should put that put that on your list, for I sure. Definitely will. Yeah. So let me give yeah, you the quick. I did. It's, it's a, a vibe. It's a 1987 American neo western horror film, co written and directed neo by western. Catherine Bigelow in her sole solo directorial debut, and it had obviously Bill Paxton. Shout out to Lan Hendrickson, to my brother's wife Danielle. That's her uncle. So I got some connection there. The plot follows nice. a young man in a small Oklahoma town who becomes involved with a family of nomadic American vampires. Uh, even though it did not do great in the box office at the time, of course it became a classic. And the vampires are so low rent. They're just literally, Very low they're rent. like, I mean, they're like transients. They're living in their car, lining their car's windows with aluminum foil just to like, you know, stay alive during the day. A Roman from town to town, robbing people, eating people. Um, and it's got a killer soundtrack from uh, Tangerine Dream. Yes, great soundtrack. And if you know, if Bill Paxton's character in True Lies became a ver- vampire, that would be him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so he just did a, a version of himself, and he was a vibe then too, right? Because this is coming off a little bit off. Even though he did this first, Aliens and Weird Science, Near Dark, all kind of lived in that same time period. Yeah. So good pick. Finger licking good. All right. So we've got three more here. We got three more. Um, last cycle. Last cycle. Uh, Rainbow, you started off. So what is your third pick for this season one of Love of, and Horror? One of my favorite horror movies of all time. And that would be 1992's Candyman. Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror, you say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman. They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. 
Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. Um, oh, yeah. A beautiful, you know, um, uh, gothic romance, even though at first glance, first watch, you wouldn't hear like love connection at the end most of the movie is about urban legends and um a, a, a boogeyman that's killing you you know um in specific circumstances almost like a freddy krueger who is um praying and feeding off of your belief and fear of him uh, because otherwise he becomes weaker and with Candyman, you know, if he feels or senses that folks aren't believing in him, he's going to come back and check you and put you back in place and let you know that he is, in fact, real. And it's because of his backstory, which kind of is revealed more in the second film, which is not anywhere near as good as the first film. Um, but <clears throat> let's see. So, yeah, it's it's. We have this urban legend being researched by Helen, who is, um, you know, in college researching this topic, and she just so happens to look like his past love. So in her research and finding out about the Candyman at the end, you know, she finds this painting of his past love and she sees the resemblance Um and I and I'm trying not to reference the second film because you really do not have to watch the second film to be fulfilled after watching Candyman. But if you do, it's just kind of satisfactory because you just you're getting more, even though it's not as good. But this this backstory just is awesome. Um, but even without the films, again, on its own, this story is just so sad because he's been killed in a tragic way, and he's just yearning for his love you know he died in the name of love essentially and he sees this woman as the reincarnate of his love and you know he's had all these opportunities to kill her and he never does um but it's also because at the same time she's kind of the tool and and the the key to making sure that people do believe in him because she's kind of going around cabrini green kind of putting out there that he's not real and so you have some of the gangsters around town trying to prove her wrong, acting as Candyman. He, they do this even with other, other folks aside from her, but really trying to make the point to her that this is a legit thing. Stop coming around here, white woman, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to, you know, fuck up our history and all that. But, yeah, so it's interesting. We have this urban legend and this, you know, story of, you know, um, poverty and and mostly urban legend and all this, all that, and that little package. And then we also had this love story kind of going on in the background, but less so in the background, but more toward the end. And you just kind of understand more where Daniel Robotai is coming from. And of course we don't learn that his name is Daniel until part two. Um, but yeah, this is just a lovely, lovely, tragic, gothic love story. Again. And, <laughs> and when you say uh, sequels, what's up Lee Lee, what's up, man? Uh, when you say sequels, uh, so I saw there's two direct sequels. The I remember Farewell to the Flesh. Then there was another one, Day of the Dead. And then there was the direct sequel that just came out in 2021. Which one were you, are you for? Like, which one gives the more of the backstory? 
<clears throat> the the first of the three. Oh, the farewell farewell to the farewell flesh. to the flesh. Okay, yes. what a great title mm -hmm. though. Can yeah, <laughs> farewell to the flesh. And yeah, you love anything, right? Yeah, I remember Bloody Mary. You know, so the, then when you saw this, you're like, oh, say Candyman in the Mirror five times. Yes, good. so good. I mean, that's so every sleepover, I would be like, yes, and you know, with my girlfriends, Bloody Mary, Candyman. Light as a feather, light as a feather stiff as a board. board. <laughs> all that. And then after we did all that and we were all tired and sugared up, we'd watch our movies. You know, after telling <laughs> stories and stuff, we'd watch our scary movies. So, yeah, um, it was fun. Like, even at school, like, we had, you know, kids are stupid. <laughs> so we were just doing all kinds of shit in the bathrooms, too. Just at school, people just saying Bloody Marys and, like, literally seeing things and running out of bathrooms like i remember you know in elementary school like literally seven eight years old like at least 10 of us just doing that and just acting crazy yeah. <laughs> being scared and just <laughs> having a good time with it i mean um, i yeah. think tony todd is obviously he's a horror icon so booking him in this role was yeah. mas masterful masterful booking for sure and you said you weren't a fan of the sequel boot I didn't hate it or anything. Like I'll watch it and I I gladly sit and watch those three films back to back because they're all fun. But it just definitely didn't live up to the first film in any way whatsoever. Um, and yeah, it just felt different. Um, but it, it it's still good. You yeah, know, it's, it's still a good movie. <laughs> I watched that on the plane, and I don't know if that took away from <laughs> took away from the vibe when I watched the. Uh... Was it because it it wasn't a remake, right? It was a sequel boot. Are you talking about Farewell, or are you talking about Nia the Decosta? The, the, the twenty twenty one version yeah. that was just called Candyman. Oh, yeah, it was a sequel. Boot. Oh, oh, sorry, I was responding to Farewell to the Flesh, but yeah, I guess I have the same response to Nia Decosta's film. Um, that <laughs> yeah, I just expected it to be a different kind of remake. It was a spiritual remake apparently. And I just wasn't expecting that. I wanted it to be more either like Suspiria, which, you know, is just a thing all in its own, just a remake with all the heart of the original, but something completely different. Or I wanted it to be like the crazies or um, <clears throat> what's the other one? Uh, the Hills have eyes, which are basically like exact replicas, but just, in that time, you know, in that era of like the technology where it could be amped up and just a little bit of story has changed because of that, but it's still the exact same film just on steroids and just awesome. Yeah. And the new Candyman from, you know, 2021 or whenever it was, is just a completely different film. They really should have brought back I mean, Tony Todd's voice is like, it's like saying, oh, bring back another James Earl Jones or right. whatever. But Agreed. they really needed to do a voice thing, I think, because that was much of the appeal. It was just so haunting. Like that was that's the thing that's not been able to be replicated since the first film with these three other films is that it was just so haunting and captivating and um you know, it was a beautiful movie, and I do want to see what she would do with the second film or what the producers and Peel would do with a second Candyman film. Like, I'll be first in line. Um, and I still need to see it a second time because I'm sure I'll like it more a second time. Uh, but I was just completely, not completely, but I was let down at the theater. But I do appreciate the film 
for what it is because it was a beautiful film. Well, Everything it, about it was was beautiful. And I'm sure it's tough for you just because you love the first one so much, the original. Yeah. So it really like me being a, such a mark for Friday the 13th, I get it. You know, when you walked in and you saw that remake in the theaters that was shot right here in Austin and you just feel very disappointed. And I also did the same thing as you. I didn't go back and watch it. So maybe just because Jordan Peele is great as far as like honoring and keeping a vibe. And I do remember, even though it was on a plane and it's really hard to hear because it's everything's kind of vibrating. I do feel like the wardrobe is so important in a horror movie. The wardrobe is so important. And I feel like they were they were creating the right energy, but I wasn't as wrapped up in the original story in that time period. So I need to go back and watch it to see if it does like kind of honor. I should just do a Candyman marathon. I'd be in for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mind the remake. I thought it was, it, uh, here was the thing with, with my take on that was I thought it took a long time to get to what it was trying to be. And I, I liked what it was trying to be by the end of the movie, you know, everything with the cops and all that stuff. I thought that was great, but it just, Took too long to get to that. I would have liked to see that be the midpoint and then take it from there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, true. true. That would have been my opinion. The casting was great. I'm a, I'm a huge mark for Yahya Abdul-Mateen second, and Coleman Domingo. I feel like those two guys have potential. I hate Fear the Walking Dead, like the se- this series. Like the first <laughs> couple seasons, I was literally rooting for the zombies. Remember, and I was so mad. I went to a roller derby match. Here. That's because they rejected you as a zombie. Yeah, that, that's that's true too. They did reject me as a zombie. But I remember Major going. Heat. Yeah, I don't think I went past season one of uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Either. It was rough, and supposedly it got better. But I never got a chance. But I went to a roller derby match here, and they were filming here, and the whole cast was there. And I was like, Ah, oh, man, they just ruined the match. We gotta go. <laughs> I don't know. There was just something about it. But yeah, uh, that being said, Coleman Domingo was the shining star in that. And I see that he's still in the show is still going and he's still in there. But there's just something about the way I can see Yahya Abdul and Coleman Domingo in like something like that sticks with us like Dawn of the Dead. Right. That they could have been in like a 70s horror movies and they would stick in your brain because you just can't take your eyes off of them. So the casting is really important. So to match those two up with Tony Todd, that's what got me. I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a chance. I was into it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Jeff, what is your You're ready? Your final pick. My final pick. In the Love and Horror Division. And we already we're, we we I already kind of gave a hint of where this was going, and this is the direction I am going with platonic love. And I am going with the icon himself, Jason Voorhees, and the most underrated of the series of Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. As far as I know, there's no immediate family. Mother died while giving birth. I don't know what the hell happened to the father. Took off somewhere, I guess. Kid got shuffled around from home to home until he came here. He's a good kid. I know, Matt. <laughs> Come on, Roy. Get your hands dirty. Coming hot off of Corey Feldman. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Rainbow, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to give a little bit of spoilers, but this one has something that's very iconic that sticks with a lot of people that they really don't like it. But me, now being a dad, I even appreciate okay. it even more that the spoiler is that this is not <laughs> Jason Voorhees. This is not Jason Voorhees. This they got Tommy Jarvis, so they got it is the spiritual sequel that it sticks with it, but it turns out that <laughs> the killer is somebody pretending to be Jason Voorhees, and his name oh boy. is Roy. <laughs> oh Roy. <laughs> oh Roy's taking it off the grid. So right so it does lead into, you know, Corey Feldman. As Tommy Jarvis, now he's grown up. Obviously, he's very scarred from everything he went through in the final chapter. So he's sent to a halfway house. This halfway house had this feel of, to me, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the Dream Warriors, that you had everybody that had their little bit of superpowers. But one of the people that was actually there was somebody who was like a legit psycho. And his name was Vic, which is a perfect... 80s scary person was Vic and then there was uh <laughs> like right Vic is terrifying <laughs> Vic the ambulance Fair driver not. yes <laughs> so Vic is so it turns out that hold on let me find it here so I don't right so you got the goth oh and you also have uh Eddie we made a meme about this you got uh who was Dudley for you different strokes fans out there that's his his iconic scream. Where oh, he's, yeah. That scream is crazy. Yeah, this is the craziest <laughs> scream. So you have all these great characters. But anyway, Vic ends up killing one of the other patients at the Wayward House, right, where Tommy Jarvis is staying. And these two paramedics go to pick it up. And you see this paramedic who just kind of makes a sh an unsettling face. And you can't tell, like, oh, why did this paramedic was scooping up? Vic chopped this guy up to pieces with his axe next thing you know jason comes starts whacking all these guys at the joint and then it turns out that paramedic was roy and he snapped because he saw his son's remains after vic just hacked him hacked him up with a hatchet so he mm. became jason but to me i thought it was just like as a dad yeah i'd hack people too man I would like for a hundred percent, like if anyone came out, my boy for sure, I would go Roy on them. You already have the outfit. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. right. You know, wrestling is a, uh, remember I was telling you, I used to wrestle in Mexico as Jason the 13th and unofficial oh. probably, <laughs> probably get sued these days, but right. It was, it was before the internet. It's only on VHS. So I had the hockey mask. So I actually have it. But so oh, bri brilliant. It's gimmick, on VHS. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's all on VHS. So can I, I just say, can I just say, though, this this Jason right here, um, although this is not my favorite of the series, this is my favorite mask fit. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the, I, I, the I cheekbones. Yeah, I, pref <laughs> I preferred the original look where you had just kind of a man under there and not like a zombie bursting out from underneath the straps. Mm. Yes. You know what I mean? That Kane hotter look, uh, to me, this is a little more terrifying. Just sort of a dead-eyed dude under there, <laughs> not, a, not an oozing yeah. zombie. And you know that, so go, go, looking at that picture, you know what the tell was, is those blue, the blue eyeliner instead of the red. So Jason's original hockey mask always had red. So I think this was... Oh, oh yeah. damn, that's a deep cut. Yeah, so he they went with the blue because 
Roy has piercing blue eyes. I don't know if you noticed. Like, look at that handsome bastard. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's their way of saying that there's piercing blue eyes in here. But, you know, his friend, uh, his friend, his son, Joey, was special needs. I just remember, like, every time you eat chocolate and you got your fingers, because he was annoying Vic, who, for some reason, the craziest guy at the halfway house, they're like, you need to go take, go, go chop wood. So, of course, they're making him stronger, and he's angry, and he's just cracking this wood, and Joey's, like, asking him all these annoying questions, and he can't take it, and he's got the chocolate, and then he's like, forget it, you're done, and then that's when he hacks him to pieces. So, of course, poor Tommy Jarvis, a grown-up Corey Feldman, is like, I can't believe I can't get away from people getting chopped up. <laughs> this is a swerve. Uh, I, I had no idea this was had any sort of love elements in it. Yeah, platonic love, man. It's just like you saw, like if platonic you go platonic love, platonic love. If you That's go friendship, right? Yes, <laughs> or yeah, I, or I guess this would be fatherly love, right? Fatherly love. Oh, a, a father okay, this love. is familial. Yeah, love. family love. Yeah, a, a love for oh, father okay, for son. Okay, okay. Like I thought it was like who is who is Jason friends with, or is it like <laughs> a group of friends that are just friends with each other and they are just all getting killed and they're like the tightest knit group of friends? Okay, okay, gotcha. Yes. Okay. So Roy, you and when you go it's, back, yeah, and you see, they they do the flashback, and it's like, oh, why why did Roy pretend he was Jason? And then you realize that, like, oh, that was his son Joey that you killed, that was killed here, and he saw his body, and that's when he snapped, and he just used Jason as a a ruse, if you will. But this one had a lot of a lot of people angry just because it wasn't true jason Voorhees. it was somebody mm. completely different and they were trying to they look they were decided they were going to try to go in another direction and and mm. just like halloween and season of the witch they realized it didn't work yeah. and they went back right away but i think like season of the witch who has a huge cult following now if you go back and watch friday the 13th part five i think it stands up the kills the casting everything about it other than it's not really jason but he works the gimmick the entire time. Like he doesn't like he does the no sales. He does the sit ups. He does all of it, but it's just he's in a rubber mask. <laughs> so a lot of people had heat with it. But yeah. again, Raymond, I don't know. You said you've only like as far as like Friday the Thirteenth goes. You just it's went totally. Yeah, it's new to you, right? The first one. Just the first one, right? Okay. <laughs> it's not new to me. I've seen the first one. And I feel like I've probably seen one of the other ones, which is probably one of the ones that I've seen first, but I can't really recall it. But I remember definitely seeing the first one. I just recently saw Jason, Freddy versus Jason for the first time the other day for my Freddy ranking video, which oh, was yes. super fun. Yes. Um, awesome but yeah, I, so I, I could say that I've probably seen two uh, Friday the 13th movies, um, but I've always just loved you know, uh, the character of Jason, you know, or, you know, in the first film, obviously it's, it's a whole different thing, but, you know, as it's evolved, just the, you know, iconic figure and the idea of him, which has always been awesome to me. Uh, but to go back to your point of it being familial love and having it be, um, a choice, a pick for you, um, you know, Valentine's day is about romantic love too, but it's also a time where, parents do show a lot of love for their parent or for their kids rather you know because you know my mom used to always give me valentine's day uh presents and i feel like parents do that and the love for a child is so great 
And it's one of the only loves that will push you to do the kinds of things like revenge that you would, you know, engage in with romantic love. So it totally fits. And yeah, platonic as well as friendships, you know, is also that too, because you have things like, um, um, crazy white girls. Is that what it is? I'm I'm trying to think of a better example of like, you know, two girlfriends. (laughs) <laughs> two girlfriends and one's not into the one girlfriend. Oh, single She's like, white it's female. It's almost lesbianic, but not all the way. Yeah, single white female. Single white was, female, right? yeah. Yeah, um, things like that. So I think those totally count. And had I been in that frame of mind, um, I probably would have come up with some other stuff too. But that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, and I'm going to go I'm even deeper. I mean, like right now, part five, they did a little bit of reversal for, you know, what a father's love for his son the entire Friday the 13th franchise is based on a mother's love for his son. And yeah, then the exactly. son spends the rest of the series for the next 12, <laughs> soon to be 13 films, getting revenge yeah. for what they did to his mom. So it is really about a parental relationship with their son. So I think part five stays in the vein. They just flipped it to the dad instead of the mom. And that, it's going to be really interesting right. with uh, Peacock with the Crystal Lake prequel series coming out right uh, soon I'm I'm I really do hope that they start digging deeper into the, the Pam Voorhees story cuz you did watch one of my favorite Friday the 13th is Freddy versus Jason. I was like first showing first day like I was yeah. there. And coming off of Jason X which we loved and we just saw in 35mm not too long ago, also a great one. I was felt like it was a little bit like brought back because that one was way better than i expected but then as you rewatch freddy versus jason uh you do like appreciate how much uh that character really does mean for just the lore in general here's what i think uh yeah if you're gonna do if you're gonna do your friday the 13th marathon you've already seen part one which i think honestly if if i'm honest i don't i'm not a fan of part one I feel like the series didn't get going until part three. Fair. But I would say go ahead and skip part three as well. <laughs> Start with part four. The final chapter. Start with part four. Then go ahead and jump from part four to part six. <laughs> and then jump from part six to Jason X. Okay. Then, and that's how you then watch that. Yeah. Who's on into Freddy versus Jason? Yeah. <laughs> Mario has the best machete cuts. Like I, I've only the only machete <laughs> cut I ever heard and ironic we're talking about machetes and Jason. The only machete cut I ever heard before Mario was the Star Wars machete cuts of how to watch him. Then you introduced me to your Evil Dead machete cut. Now you got a Friday thirteenth machete cut. If you've seen one, you can watch one just, you know, whatever, just for the cred. But go ahead from one, jump right to four. Um, okay, okay. Then jump to six, then jump to Jason X, and you'll have a great time. Yeah, you'll have fun. <laughs> I don't, um, what, what, Mario, if you had to tell her which one you would steer, what, like, what would be considered the lowest one of that, of the franchise, what one would it be? Um, steer her away from. Unfortunately, it's probably Jason Takes Manhattan, even though it has the best <sighs> premise of all. That breaks my heart, but yes, you're right. I mean, it's just the most disappointing out of all of them. What if Scream turns out to be the same way he's headed to New York? Oh, no. I think they're going to learn from the mistakes. I think they're going to learn yeah, from those hopefully, mistakes. Hopefully. Because Jason Go- Takes Manhattan has one of the greatest teasers of all time. Oh, so good. Uh, 
the best. Isn't that the time. one that has the awesome train kill though? Is that the only good scene in that whole movie? It, it ha- yeah, I think it's got a train it's kill. It's got some good kills at the end, but they're That's just That's the only one. But it's really only got Jason in Manhattan for about four and a half minutes. That's the problem. And you've got oh. about ninety oh. minutes ninety minutes takes place on a boat on the way to New York. So it yeah, it it's um it's oh, a big disappointment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jason but, heads to Manhattan okay, is what they should have called it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the way to Manhattan. Yeah. I'm getting there. <laughs> um, but yeah, watch 4, 6, and Jason X, and you'll have a great time. The one I would tell you to steer away from. 4, the, 6, and X. 4, yeah. 6, and X. 4, yes. 6, and X. That's solid. That is super solid. I would. You would think it would be 9 of the, the whole Jason goes to hell, but I don't think it would be that I would... You know, and then they start introducing Jason might have a sister. But I think the one to steer away from <laughs> is the the remake. Like oh, they did the remake is yeah, yeah, they did away and that sucks. They they merged part one and part two and I thought, okay, that would be fine, but they they didn't get the heart of the story, which what we're talking about, right? It's a mother's love for the son, the son's love for the mom. They didn't capture any of that. They really were just like, mm. let's just get a bunch of teens and you know, and we'll just We'll just kill him. It's like, you need, you just definitely need more than that. One of the best parts of Jason X is when they kind of lean into, come on, you want to go, you know, go smoke weed and go have sex? And like, they were like leaned into <laughs> like, that's what we're kind of about, but we're not really about that. Where that remake was like, no, we're really about that. And it had a great poster. Like, every, again, first day I was there and I was just, I was really bummed out about it. What's up, Will? What's up, Will? Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. Uh, so, in your opinion, which is uh, which is the worst remake, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the Thirteenth? They're both pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> They're both really, really bad. Um, you can't really. It's hard to if you can't remake stuff from the eighties in the modern times. If you're gonna remake a movie from the eighties, you have to set it in the eighties. Yeah. You've got to take it back and Agreed. make like, the direct sequel or whatever you do. If you're not, if your name's not Ty West, don't even try. Yeah, that's what it really comes up to. Because <laughs> y'all he, need to get off of his. <laughs> he has. I know. <laughs> he, he ain't all of that. <laughs> he has a way of creating that vibe. Like if you said, set me vibe. something that's in. Again, we talked about the '70s is the scariest decade of horror, just because it. Cre- just because the wardrobe and everything of the time, it captured it. But those remakes did a really poor job of capturing that. And it just, and that sucks because, I mean, when I heard that Jackie, Jackie Earl, you know, Kelly Leak from Bad News Bears, you know, Rorschach from Watchmen was going to be Freddy Krueger. And I'm like, okay, they're, they're going for pedigree because it's going to be very difficult to follow Robert England, who's still with us. Yeah. So, like, why would you even try? So I was like, okay, they went for pedigree. You couldn't even tell with it, like everything about it. Just it just didn't work. It just felt like an yeah an average I think, average movie. Yes, it was a good villain. He was good at being the dark Freddy that they wanted him to be, uh, and it and it sucks for him because he got he gives such a, he gives such a great performance, and he just is given so much shit for it. like i i it's it's my least favorite of the franchise so i'm not trying to defend it or anything like that I'm trying to defend homeboy and yeah. the idea of what they were trying to do but it just the story with nancy and then just the choices they made with the kids you know the quote-unquote kids is i think where they really went wrong 
Um, because just having really fucked up with the story with the kids and how they reacted to things and I don't know. Um, because they took it back to the to the darker tones, and that's where Wes was taking it with New Nightmare. Because New Nightmare is New Nightmare, you know, solid. not similar, but it's 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 in that same world compared to the rest of the franchise, you know. Um, and it's just unfortunate that it went so left. Um, and it's crazy because actually the dude who plays, you know, um, Earl, you know, his Jackie Earl Haley, yes. He actually um, auditioned to be homeboy in Freddy's Revenge, but they ended up going to Mark Patton, the guy who actually, you know, is the star of that movie. And oh, then he really? comes back year, years later as the new Freddy. So it's pretty trippy to to, to learn that. I was like, yeah, okay. I, didn't, I did not know that. Hollywood's so. a small town. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I think that the note that they got... And this probably, because if you remember, the, the original Nightmare on Elm Street was meant to be terrifying. And at the time, everybody took it as terrifying. Then you had, yeah. you know, Freddy's Revenge. And it's just like, okay, it's a little scary. And then everyone's like, that series took off with like Dream Warriors. But then what Dream Warriors also introduced, and Dream Warriors was great, but it introduced one-liner Freddy. And then it all just mm-hmm. became like, go back to that gimmick of just like the one, the line before the kill. Freddie was all about, where's the bourbon bitch? Welcome to prime time, bitch. Like the one liner. So it almost became like the crowd was cheering for Freddie. Like he became the, the baby face in the gimmick. He was, yeah, he was the cool heel. He was the cool heel. So as a horror movie, people started getting away with like, well, that's not scary because that's Freddie. He's my boy. Like people are cheering for him. So I think with Jackie Earl, the approach they were going is they wanted somebody that was actually terrifying again because in the end he was a you know a, a child diddler you know a chomo that actually got burned alive, which is supposed to be terrifying, not somebody that you're cheering for. So I do appreciate what they were trying to do, but yeah. I almost wish they would have went in an angle like Candyman and stuck with Robert England somehow and, and incorporated that. There's a way to do baton. Well- passes that is a little bit more graceful than that was just too much of a hard cut and people just didn't dig it robert was done done though after he did freddy versus jason he said that was his last time he was putting on that makeup oh and he said he's definitely not coming back if they do do a remake today or tomorrow or yesterday but after freddy versus jason he said like thank god i'm I'm done with this. Like he's, he legit said, like I saw the words come out of his mouth. He said, I'm not going to miss it. <laughs> like he was done. He was done, done. Well, it's so very, uh, they had no choice is. Yeah. I guess that's a bummer, but it's very serendipitous that we're talking about it. Cause not only do we have your nightmare in Elm street video that just dropped, go check that out. But we also dropped one. I don't know if you saw that with Ooh. Mike, who's Mike, you're out there, but Mike had a great angle when we were talking about skin and Mark and how to use, Skin, I call it skin mark. Somehow I merged <laughs> skin mark, skin mark, skin mark <laughs> with skin mark and cinemark, and I made a new word, skin mark. <laughs> but anyway, he was just like how to take skin mark and use that as a way to introduce the Nightmare on Elm Street series because in the end, that is about the nightmare. That's what was supposed to be terrifying, and I thought that was we just dropped a short on that today. But there's also a long, so it is something that just still. Man, what ripe fruit that you just want to keep going back and seeing what other bites we can take from this. And I thought it would I thought that pitch was really great. 
How did we get to Nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. I think they're like, if you think of the universal monsters, you can't say, you say Dracula, you're automatically going to say Frankenstein and the Wolfman. And then if you're even Darcy, the male girl level, you're talking about the mummy and the creature from the Black Lagoon. We talked about here the Mount Rushmore of horror. You got Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers are those three. And I feel like that rotating four. So it's really easy, especially when they made that film to like start talking about Friday the 13th and we end on Nightmare on Elm Street. But here we are. <laughs> All right, cool. Mauro, you're, you're up. This is our last recommendation for the horror of love. So I have, well, here's the thing. I have, I have one and I also have a runner up. Uh, this was one that we actually I, I made the graphic for it, uh, Rainbow, because I thought it was going to be one of yours. But uh, and now and it was almost one of mine. But now it's the runner up. Yeah, we got to talk about that one. So for sure. I want to talk about my one, my recommendation. Uh, and I think Rainbow will recommend this one as well. May by Lucky McKee. Some people think it's kind of gross. I love gross. Really? And she thought he liked her just the way she was. Bleed it. Hey, this is weird. You like weird? Not that weird. But May's new friend turned out to be just like everyone else. Starring Angela Bettis, who was uh, we used to be based out of Austin here. Um, I don't know where this movie lives. It never streams anywhere. I never <laughs> see it on any channel. I think it's been on Tubi now and again, but like it just—it's nowhere. And I think it's, I just think it's great. Um, Angela Bettis, who plays May here. I just think this is one of the most adorable performances ever. Uh, where she sort of has a crush yeah. on Jeremy Sisto. It, it. And he's like the poser film guy <laughs> who's way into Dario Argento. Um, and just there's these moments at the beginning where she's trying to run into him on accident. Uh, it's just, it's so, it's just so cute. I don't know. I can't recommend this movie enough. And then um, I had no Anna. Anna Ferris is in this. Anna Ferris is in this as well. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. And she, she is her like Anna Ferris self. She is like the she's the character is actually. I love House Bunny. Uh, but she's like oh ah, ah character, and I just love it. It's so good. I think this is right after <laughs> Scary Movie. She still had the uh, brunette hair in this one, which I think she switched the blonde pretty early. But um, yeah, because this is a, a 2002 joint, right? Yeah, and you've got our main character May Kennedy. She works at the at the vet shop, the vet store, and like uh, you know, um, she's just she's just looking for love. She wants to have a boyfriend. And, uh, you know, she's obsessed with Jeremy <laughs> Sisto. Just so much about this movie is just, I, lo I love the first date where they're sitting in the hollowed out car just eating chips and salsa. <laughs> um, there's the whole thing where, yeah. you know, Jeremy Sisto. So basic. Yeah. And Jeremy <laughs> Sisto plays just like, uh, just like the typical just sort of poser film guy who really wants to, you know, talks about making films that really doesn't do anything and uh, shows her. He's like student film and it's horrible and just, you know, she 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 just thinks it's the best thing ever. I don't know. There's a lot <laughs> of cute stuff in this movie. I just I don't this was so this was a Lionsgate film in 2002 and I don't like remember if it it didn't even have a theatrical did it had a little bit of a theatrical drop directed by Lucky McKee? Yeah. Yeah, he's like a guy who goes under the radar a lot 
I actually reviewed one of his other films called The Woman, which oh, is severely good. underrated, that has a sequel called Darling, which is also severely underrated. Um, both of those are just awesome movies, and it's great seeing him direct or write these stories, because actually in Darling, um, the star of the first film, The Woman, directs um, Darling. Um but yeah, he's he's just a. I feel like he's a great visionary, even though it's not like his films are that breathtakingly beautiful or anything. They're just great stories and they make you feel. Um, looks like he's also got a show that is currently out called Poker Face with. Um, That's the new Ryan Johnson show. Yeah, he directed the last episode of that. You guys yeah. are. I, I don't. Maybe you know yeah. this. Ryan Johnson I, was an editor yeah. on May. Yeah. I had no idea. That's it's all coming full oh. circle. I feel like we're getting that Scooby moment. It's all coming together now. <laughs> um, yeah, Natasha, Natasha, uh, Natasha. I can't even say Legero, but that's the comedian. Uh, Leon, right? Leon. Yep. Um, I love the hell out of her because she's recently been doing Russian Doll, and then this latest season. Unfortunately, I've not like loved it as much as the previous one. But it feels like from the previews that this new show that Lucky McKee is directing is basically Russian Dolls season two redone in a better way. What? I've never, what I've never Russian seen Russian was, Dolls. Russian Doll was great. I've I love watched the first season is just amazing. Yeah, I've watched all the Poker beautiful. Faces. It's a great show. Yeah, you're saying you're okay. Big. I really enjoy Poker Face. Um, I'm about to watch that real quick. Yeah. It is like it. Is, Poker Face is a throwback to like older shows. It doesn't have a continuing plot. It's sort of like murder of the week kind of a thing. Okay. Uh, every episode sort of like there's a format to the episodes, which you'll pick it up really quick. It sort of does this thing where uh, it shows you the crime and then it shows you how Natasha Leone, her name's Charlie on the show, how she is connected to the crime uh, mm. in the second act. And then she solves the crime. Um, and her gimmick is, yeah, Mike, it is fucking sick. I said because of anyway, like um, wait, don't don't say her gimmick though, because all I know is like she can tell when people can lie. That's her she gi- knows that's her gimmick, how to yeah. tell when people. Okay, okay, okay. That's her gimmick, and that's so how I she, thought. Okay, that's how she solves crimes. Of course, Mike comes up with okay. the perfect pitch: New Day Murder. She wrote. Oh, nice! Wow, <laughs> it is. just hit it out of the park. It's a great show, and she's such a great character. She's just kind of like ah, eh, whatever. Drinks beer all the time, and she's I love kind of a, her so much. Um, I recommend it. Check it out. It's very. Okay. I'm. I appreciate that they're bringing that genre back, where we can just watch one episode of the show. Yeah, you know, we were we talking about Freak of the Week. We Let's don't see, need to have an ending that, that teases us to watch the other episodes <laughs> immediately. I'm good with just watching one. I'll catch another one tomorrow, and I can space them out. It's a good show. Cool. But go, to, but but to go back to May because yes. that is a good movie to talk about. Um, I just love her freakiness because. I feel like a lot of us could probably relate to her, even though we're probably not going to build a a friend out of human body parts from several different people. But I do think that we at some point in our lives between three and 50 feel like we yearn for this attention from somebody and feel awkward around them. And she just so happens to just have an extra quirkiness about her. Um, and that quirkiness is fine, but she just has that murderous taste too, um, just because she's been so neglected by, you know, her friends and or she has no friends and been neglected by her family. You know, her mother, her mother who was seemingly loving and 
caring and stuff, but she just basically pondered off on this doll and was kind of condescending and you could tell would have given her more love had she been more perfect. But because she's imperfect, she gives her the kind of love and attention that she thinks that she deserves. So it's sad. It's super, super sad. (laughs) I know this was also in uh, Mario's Why Aren't You Watching? And was it, did it stream on Shudder for a little while? I think it was on Shudder for a little bit. Because I know it. So the original debut was at Sundance. So I'm not surprised um, that it it definitely always had that vibe. So another one to add to the list. But that was your honorable mention, right? That's the honorable mention. That was your honorable mentions because that was you and Rainbow. You both kind of collided on that so we had to bring mention to it so let's let's do it what's your what's that final drop of that love and horror all right um i feel this is another one that i think folks don't really think is a horror movie and you got you might have a you might not think it is either but i think that this is sort of a classic gothic love story in the uh in the vein of bride of frankenstein or something like that or frankenstein one of those things but um the movie I picked for Love and Horror this go-around is um, Edward Scissorhands. Hey! Call doctor, skewered kid. Just a scratch. The power of Satan is in him. I can feel it. Your All along, I felt in my gut there was something wrong with him. From Tim Burton comes the most incredible tale of a most unusual character. Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> oh, so good. Well picked. Good, so, good yes. pick. Is this? I feel like this is a horror. This is a horror movie. It's got comedic undertones, but at its yeah. heart, it's a horror movie. It's like they took a horror movie character in another movie. Edward Scissorhands murders a bunch of people. Yeah, you know what I mean. You got with, Vincent with, Price with in with there, of course. <laughs> but instead, he's pulled into the suburbs out of that horror potential horror movie and has this love story with Winona Ryder. Um, yeah, and in the end, sort of, he becomes the subject of the horror. Is he's the one who's terrorized by the uh, suburban trolls? Yes. Thoughts on Edward Scissorhands? I hundred percent agree. I would have never. Cons- I, I I don't know. I wouldn't again. I wouldn't have considered it a horror movie. But like you said, now that you're feeling it, I think it's a great pick because we know. Obviously, we know the ecstasy of love, but the agony of love is encapsulated with one line. Hold me. I can't. That's just like, that just breaks your heart. I was like, that's that's true horror. Like, if you love it and you can't even touch it. So I, I'm, I'm with you, Rainbow. You with them on this? 100%. Yes, I've been wanting to review this or talk about this on live, but I've been hesitant because, yeah, it's not technically a horror movie, but... Um, it totally is because it is creepy and I'm all about the dark, creepy and weird, as you know, and this movie is all of that. It's horrific. And I do feel sorry for him as the victim, even though he's supposed to sort of be the pseudo, um, you know, villain. Um, it's scary more so because of the suburban folks and uh, movies like Stepford housewives and, um, Pleasantville, like even though they're not horror movies, they just have this horror element of it where it's like this, you know, big brother aspect that I just do not like. And it is super scary, 1984 type yeah. feel. And he 
is up on that hill for a different reason that's also horrific and so all of it together even though it's bright and light and funny at times it is scary and 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 just sad and I absolutely just love, love, love Edward Scissorhands. It's one of my absolute favorite movies. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) And I feel like this next, the the Netflix generation has been introduced to Tim Burton's creepy vibe with Wednesday, but he's been doing this from day one. Other than Big Fish, I can't even think of anything that he did that was not, did not have horror elements. Even his versions of Batman had like a very goth, eerie feel to it. Batman Returns for sure. Clearly Beetlejuice, right? I mean, he's a demon (laughs) that you have to summon. Beetlejuice right here, baby. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't say it one more time. Nobody says the B word. But I, yeah, with Edward Scissorhands, I thought it was masterful booking. Again, I brought this up earlier. Getting rid Vincent Price in there to make it really feel like... To give it that legit horror Frankenstein love story to it, to the, you know, getting them to chase in there. But of course it's just, it's Tim Burton and Johnny Depp, right? You're going to always have that comedic that you're going to still smile. But in a, in a way that horror has to like good horror really will make you smile a little bit, right? It's not always going to just be about relief. Yes. It's going to be more of a roller coaster. It's not going to be just a completely dark the entire time. You got to have some kind of, ups and downs with it and yeah they 100 percent created that vibe to it so yeah that's that's a masterful love story there from the mind of tim burton from the mind of tim burton (laughs) that's an original (laughs) ip why did we never get more edward scissorhands i was actually i was pretty i i ended up going with uh captain jack but i was really close to, uh, for the last costume party with going with Edward Scissorhands. I just couldn't figure out the hands. <laughs> I was going to say, how'd you drink? <laughs> just one hand? Yeah, exactly. Just one hand. That's the tough part, right? <laughs> Don't watch Freddy your... Scissorhands. That's... You can do that. Hey, there you go, you Freddy Scissorhands. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Those, that was a great list. Love is the only thing that can save this poor creature. And I am going to convince him that he is loved, even at the cost of my own life. No matter what you hear in there, no matter how cruelly I beg you, no matter how terribly I may scream, do not open this door or you will undo everything I've worked for. Do you understand? Do not open this door. Yes, doctor. Get me out. Let me out of here. Get me the hell out of here. What's the matter with you people? I was joking. Don't you know a joke when you hear one? 